0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey book lovers, my name is M and I want to talk about books and cats. Oh, oh, oh. So I just turned 40 last week, and part of my gift to myself was more books, because that's obviously what I need. Um, My to-read shelf is getting pretty full. I am trying to make a dent in it, though. Uh, I'm working at it. (laughs) And I'm not complaining. I absolutely love it. The snow is beginning to melt here, and I am looking forward to long walks and runs with my audiobooks. I've got a bunch of them on my phone right now just waiting to be listened to, but I haven't I was doing a lot of running for a while, but I haven't um, done any in a week. I'm taking a week off, so I have a lot of books to catch up on. I really do love listening to audiobooks, but it takes so much longer uh, to read them because I'm a pretty quick reader. And with audiobooks, I usually listen to them while I'm driving or uh, running or walking. And it is cold out right now, so I'm not doing a lot of stuff outside. So this week's book took me a little longer than usual, but it was just because I felt like I needed to slow down and, like, really digest the story. Um, this week, I want to talk about Girl A by Abigail Dean. So this is one of my newest acquisitions from Book of the Month. Uh, it's actually the one that I got with my free birthday gift. And I don't feel like the blurb really did this one justice. To be fair, it would be difficult to capture the essence of this book. Um, in your standard blurb without revealing too much of the plot. Um, and I can't say that I am disappointed because this was a surprisingly awesome read. Girl A is Lex, the oldest girl in her ever-growing family, a family racked with troubles that mostly stem from her father's mental decline, religious zealotry, and violence. It begins with Lex escaping their family's house of horrors, as it will later be called by the press, Not everyone survives that day, but the kids are divided up and sent to better homes after recovering in the hospital for a while. Cut to present-day Lex, grown-up, successful, wealthy, and somewhat normal considering the immense trauma of her childhood. Their mother has died in prison, and Lex is tasked with being the executor of her will. There isn't much, but there is a small sum of money and the house. Lex and her favorite sister, Evie, decide that the house should be turned into a community center to try to replace the nightmare with something healthy and positive. The catch is that in order to do so, Lex needs paperwork from each of her siblings, who are scattered all over, and she must track them all down and convince them to agree to her plan. As she confronts them one by one, bits of their history are revealed. Some stories match Lex's version, and some are different. It's fascinating to see how they have fared, and what they have done to cope with the past. Lex must confront her relationships with her siblings after all this time, and it is interesting to see how old alliances can crumble and old wounds can begin to heal. Just with an added bit of information, the whole perspective of an event can change. I will say there's a reveal near the end that I kinda expected the whole time, but it was so well done that it still broke me a little bit. I adored Girl A. This one really hit me deep. The characters are so well-written and they're layered. There are just layers upon layers in this book. The emotions are complicated, and you feel them right along with the characters. You know how some books, when you're done, you just have to kind of sit in the feelings and process it? I had to sit with this one for a while. I loved it. Read it. It's so good. I don't want to say anything more, because you really need to experience this book, and I don't want to give away any plot points. So I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, I've got some fun cat facts for you, and they are super interesting, so stick around. Hey, book lovers. Now, as you might have guessed, I love everything to do with words, and I've been learning German for almost a year now. Prismatext has been such a help. I can read some of the best classics with German words mixed in. I really can't think of a better way to learn German. Currently, Prisma Textbooks are available in English as a first language, and some of the languages you can learn include Spanish, French, Italian, German, and Portuguese. Right now, I have gone through all of my Prisma Textbooks, and I need to make another order, which I have to say I'm pretty excited about. Follow the link in the show notes to help support the podcast. I would really, really appreciate it. And use code Books and Cats for 30% off your order. That's all caps, BOOKS, the letter N, CATS, for 30% off. Start learning today while enjoying your favorite classics with Prismatext. Welcome back, book lovers. So I was looking for more cat facts, and I found a great list of 101 fun cat facts. I'm only going to cover seven because 101 would be ridiculous. Um, but check out the link in the show notes if you want to read more of them. There was a lot of really interesting facts on the list, a lot of things that I'd never heard before. Um, so a house cat's genome is actually 95.6% tiger, which is exciting. I always wanted to have a tiger. So I guess I've had four little tigers running around this whole time. Uh, the next one is cats are believed to be the only mammals who don't taste sweetness. That's a bummer for cats. Although maybe it's better for them. I could probably use with not tasting some sweetness. The next one is that cats can jump up to six times their length. I have uh, one really good jumper out of the four. It's Sasser's, the youngest. And I fully believe that she can jump six times her length. She is crazy. She can go from the floor almost to the ceiling. It's amazing. And she makes the funniest noises when she does it because she's usually chasing like flies or something. It's so cute. Okay, next fact. Cat's rough tongues can lick a bone clean of any shred of meat. I kind of wonder how long they have to do that. I guess it would depend, like, if you're a lion, you have a much bigger tongue, so it's going to take less time. But, like, how long would it take a house cat to do that? I think a while. Maybe not. I don't know. Next, cats have the largest eyes relative to their head size of any mammal. Again, Sassers is a perfect example of this. I think her eyes take up, like, a quarter of her face. They're huge. She's so cute. (laughs) Next one, cats walk like camels and giraffes. They move both of their right feet first and then move both of their left feet. No other animals walk this way. Which is so funny. I guess that's why when my cats are prancing, it's so cute, because they're <laughs> prancing one side and then the other. I don't know. I wonder why they walk like camels and giraffes. That's kind of odd. Hmm. Anyway, the last fact that I'm going to give you, and again, there's a ton more. Um, male cats are more likely to be left pawed, while female cats are more likely to be right pawed. And apparently, while there are some ambidextrous cats, most cats are either right or left pod, which is something I did not know. So again, check out the link in the show notes for even more interesting cat facts. I really, I was really entertained by the list. And finally, it's time for the quote of the week. And I actually have two this week. Um, I was just looking up quotes about reading by authors I have a couple that really spoke to me. The first one is from Nadi Okora, and the quote is, I love the sound of pages flicking against my fingers, print against fingerprints. Books make people quiet, yet they are so loud. Love it. And then the other quote that I found is from David Mitchell, and it is, Books don't offer real escape, but they can stop a mind scratching itself raw. And I'm kind of feeling that way with this whole, like, COVID and quarantine and everything. Reading is definitely a nice escape when you're stuck in your house days upon days upon days upon days for, what, almost a year now? (laughs) Yeah, so books are my escape. One of them anyway. So that is going to do it for this episode of my Books and Cats podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't had a chance yet, please uh, rate and review the podcast. it really helps the podcast be seen by other people, and I would love to grow my audience. Um, and again, thank you so much if you're already listening. I appreciate it so, so much. And if you stick around after the music, you can hear Chapter 10 of my writing project, Heart of the Storm. If you're new to the podcast, I am trying to write a chapter a week just to keep myself writing uh, consistently. And uh, minimal edits, and then I just record it at the end of the episode. So stick around for that, and until next time, keep reading. Book lovers, it is time for chapter 10 of Heart of the Storm. Enjoy. What's wrong with you? You're crazy, lady. Kiki's eyes flamed, but she remained silent. Kevo held his breath, waiting for the explosion. Instead, Kiki softened and sighed quietly. I'm sorry. Sometimes I snap. You'll soon know exactly what I mean. And I'm sorry about that as well. Gemma looked at each of them in turn. When her eyes met Kevo's, she lingered. For some reason, her anger seemed to grow, and he couldn't maintain her stare. He looked away. Kes stepped forward. You must excuse my wife. She doesn't react well to other marked ones. Gemma glared at them and stomped her foot. I don't care, she said, accenting each word with her foot. Then she stopped and sank down with a defeated sigh. Her anger was gone in an instant. My life's over anyway, she said softly. I know what happens to the marked ones. I've heard the stories. Who gave you these designs? Kiki reached out to touch the girl, but she pulled away. You know who? The girl buried her face in her hands and cried. Kiki looked uncomfortable. She lightly rubbed the girl's back, but gingerly. Comfort did not come natural to her. Ken knelt beside his wife and waited for the girl's crying to subside. No one noticed Kevo as he slipped out the back door of the gym with the strange metal box stuffed in his sweatpants. He eased the door closed quietly, and once it had softly clicked shut, he broke into a run. He darted down the alley, running at full speed to an unknown destination. All he knew was that he had to find Harper. Harper sat alone in Lottie's apartment. Below, she could hear the murmur of voices in the store. When the discordant bells alerted her to a customer below, Lottie's eyes went wide, and Maz appeared suddenly in the doorway. Why didn't you lock up? Maz hissed. Lottie moved with surprising quickness, and her eyes were bright and clear. I did, she replied. Now Harper waited. Fear held her rigid in place on the sofa. She strained to hear the words being spoken, to have any idea what was happening below. The murmuring raised to shouting, and Harper recognized the male voice shouting back at Ma's. The tension flowed out of her, and she allowed herself to relax. She even allowed herself a small smile when she heard footsteps on the stairs. When Kevo entered the small apartment, Harper ran over and punched him in the arm. Ow, hey! Kevo rubbed his arm, but he was smiling. Man, am I glad to see you. What are you doing here? How did you find me? Harper's immediate joy at seeing her friend was quickly turning to fear. Kevo put his hand on her shoulder and squeezed. Harper felt comfort at the familiar gesture. It was the best Kevo could do. He was not great with emotions. But neither was Harper. No one knows I'm here. They probably haven't even realized I'm gone. He locked his eyes with Harper and she knew he was telling the truth. I'm on your side, Harper. No matter what. His face was grim and determined, and Harper felt a rush of gratitude for her friend. She gave him a hug, which surprised her as much as him. Kevo stiffened but returned the hug after a moment. Behind him, Harper saw Lottie's cautious gaze and the expression of distrust Moz wore. How did you find Harper, Kevo? Maz inquired as the girl released her friend. You still haven't answered that one. Maz moved to the chaise and sat with their hands on their knees watching the boy through a curtain of shiny black hair. They motioned for Harper and Kevo to sit, and the two friends moved wordlessly to the couch. "'Well,' Lottie said in a bright voice, trying to dispel the immense tension in the room, and failing, "'Tell us your tale, Kevo. What brings you back to my store?' The young man shifted nervously under the gaze of the three powerful creatures in the room." He reached into the pocket of his joggers and produced the impossibly smooth and shiny black box. Moz and Lottie gasped and jumped to their feet. Harper couldn't tear her eyes away from the flawless surface. Her hand crept forward. She wasn't aware she was reaching for it until she heard Lottie scream. Harper, no! Just a bit too late, her hand hovered for just a moment over the box before being joined with the surface by a powerful magic unlike anything Harper had felt before. It was overwhelming, and yet, somehow, also strangely familiar. The box burst open, and light and wind poured into the room. A screaming dark wraith flew out and circled the room, filling it with an unbearable din. The others clapped their hands over their ears as they fought to stay standing in the violent storm that now raged in Lottie's apartment. The light grew blindingly bright, blocking out everything in the room. Harper was screaming. She couldn't let go of the scorching metal. She couldn't see. A cacophony of wails and screeching and strange guttural chants bore down on her, and she fought to remain standing while the noise tried to crush her. The black metal box, which was now fused to her skin, began to melt. It moved up her arm and joined her flesh in a fresh burst of intense pain, and Harper fell to her knees. The wind died down, and the screams faded away. The pain in Harper's arm became a dull, incessant throb. Her arm bore trails of black, shiny metal embedded deep in the flesh. Harper tore her eyes away from her disfigured arm and watched as trails of vapor swirled together, forming a churning column of bluish smoke in the center of the room. When the smoke cleared, a tall, stately woman stood before them. Her skin was a pale, bluish gray and speckled with light freckles that looked like stars. Her thick, deep violet hair fell down her back, "'and grazed the floor as she swayed. "'Her dress was the silver of dew in the moonlight, "'and it shimmered with her gentle movements. "'Her face wore a small, passive smile "'that grew as she turned her large, "'cornflower-blue eyes on Harper. "'The girl could not look away. "'There was an ache inside her "'when she looked at this woman, "'a yearning that she could not place, "'but that felt so painfully familiar. Lottie gasped behind her, confirming what Harper already suspected. The woman broke eye contact and turned her placid gaze toward Lottie and Maz. Now that Harper could look at them, she saw that they were crying. Thea? Lottie whispered. Her voice was thick with emotion and tears. The woman's eyes returned to Harper. The girl swallowed hard. Her throat was suddenly, impossibly dry. Mom? She whispered. And that is the end of Chapter 10, Book Lovers. I hope you're still enjoying Heart of the Storm. Um, if you are, tell your friends, spread the word, and I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.